Hello, friends. Have you noticed that you can get caught up in consuming content? Or maybe you notice you are hyper, hyper focused on the doing. Empaths, we often consume. And I know because that was me too, soaking up information from all my favorite teachers and mentors. But it wasn't until I started focusing more on the being and embodiment work that the door to massive clarity was finally unlocked. And I no longer got confused about what was my energy versus everybody else's. I was able to become a more clear channel for creation and as a result, transform my life, business, and health. In fact, my meditation and embodiment practice is what helped me have a nearly $40,000 month this past January, see the highest downloaded month of the podcast, and finally release a lot of unnecessary stress. And my clients felt it and saw it in their lives too. It wasn't reading more articles. It wasn't doing more busy work. So I'm inviting you to graduate from the spongy empath consumer into the self-activated sovereign healer. You can take your podcast listening experience from, ooh, I feel seen, heard, and inspired to, holy shit, I actually feel different. My being has shifted. I am the embodiment of the woman I desire to be. The Third Eye Collective is a simple way to upgrade your experience and commit not only to a meditation practice that complements your healing, but also receive personalized coaching so you can be clear on what direct actions to implement into your highest goals. There are two simple ways to get involved at $11 or $22 a month with no commitment. So if this is calling your name, join this amazing and growing community. All of it was choice. And so I was like, If I can make the choice for it to fall apart, I can make the choice for it to stay the fuck together. Mm -hmm. And in that decision, I was able to unravel in a really graceful way, not in a way where I needed to go back to old habits or I needed to beat myself up. I was able to just allow myself to fall apart so that something new could break through. Welcome to the Healing Uncensored podcast. My name is Sarah Small, and I'm a health and mindset coach for women with autoimmune disease just like you. I absolutely love helping you tap into your self-healing power, uncover the energetic side of healing, and release limiting beliefs around your body and your life. Think of this podcast as everything you wouldn't hear at your doctor's office. It's a place for empowered souls to move beyond food and heal themselves on a soul level. I hope you enjoy today's episode. Now let's begin. Hello, tribe. Welcome to the show. In this episode, you're going to meet one of my favorite people on the planet and a total soul sister. Her name is Tori Washington, and she is a spiritual teacher and mindset mentor for women who struggle with self-doubt as an empath. She loves helping empathic women go from chronic warriors to spiritual warriors by activating their intuitive superpowers to overcome limiting beliefs, fear, and anxiety. Tori and I originally met when we were teaching and practicing at a small yoga studio in Kalamazoo, Michigan, and our paths have continued to cross over the years, and I consider her one of my very best friends. 
We are going to talk about living life as an empath today, as well as the power of belief and choice, how to become a super attractor, how to detox self-doubt, and what to do when life feels like it is falling apart. I know you guys are going to love this episode, so let's dive in. Welcome to the show, Tori. I am so glad to have you here. I can't wait for everyone to get to know you better. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. So you, like me, are very much an empath. When did you first discover this about yourself, and what does it mean to you to be an empath? Oh, man. Um, I feel like it's happened in... My empathy has developed over time, as you know. It's kind of gone in phases. Some years in my life, it was really, really strong, and other years, it felt not existent at all. Mm -hmm. My first memory of it was probably, this is going to sound weird, but in the womb, in my mother's womb. Um, She took on a lot of pain and suffering and abuse while while she was pregnant with me. And I know for a fact that I digested some of that based off of how I acted as a child, mm-hmm. even how I show up today as an adult, um, it's much more attained and I have a better understanding of it. But looking back, I mean, I have so many memories where I literally would just start crying because she, I could look in her eyes and see like how much pain, but I was a little child. I had no idea what bills were or like abuse was. I was just playing, but I couldn't ever fully settle into the moment because I was so connected to her suffering Mm -hmm. as a child. So it's so interesting because, um, yeah, I I don't have like a picture memory of it. I have a a feeling memory of it. Yeah. That clairsentience. Yes. Um, Yeah. Do you know, I think you may have told me before about like the details of your actual birth. Like when your mom gave birth to you, was that like a smooth process? Was it a bumpy process? Um, her pregnancy was actually pretty mild. Like I was a really easy baby. The way that she describes my birth is super easy. Like she just pushed me out in two hours and we were done. Like I was just ready to come out probably because I was like, get the F out of here. You're crazy. <laughs> I love my mom to death, but I was like, get me out into the world because you're feeling yeah. some type of way. Yeah. You need your autonomy. <laughs> yeah. So she, she always describes it as like this blissful experience. I know it was the best day of her life. It was so easy. She made it sound like she could have 25 babies after that. Um, but the, yeah, so the, the, my, her pregnancy was easy with me, but I think life within that pregnancy was difficult. Yeah. So now today, fast forward to this version of Tori, what does it mean to you to be an empath? What does that feel like in your body? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I think I had to learn how to feel, right? Because I turned off my feelings for a really long time because they were uncomfortable because I was taking on other people's emotions. So I turned everything off and I was just kind of walking through life numb. So as I began to wake up again, it, it shows up as power now. I can hold space versus take on someone else's um, challenges and struggles. So I think for me now where I've sort of mastered my empathy is with my work. I work with women one-on-one and I feel like I walk away from those super empowered. They're empowered. I don't feel depleted. I can continue on with my day without worrying about anything. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm still learning how to be in big crowds. I'm still learning. Me too, girl. (laughs) Yeah. It's like, and I'm not like, 
I also realized that with my empathy, I took on the um, label of introvert. I'm actually not that introverted. I'm yeah. actually really outgoing with like my girlfriends. And I mean, you've been out with me. I'm really, I'm fun. But you have a good time. Yeah. Yeah. But my, my when I am in big crowds and my empathy is like going all over the place, then I shrink into that introverted shyness. Mm-hmm. So I think I took on that label as the shy girl for so long. And like mm-hmm. now that I have really blossomed and I'm stepping into my voice and my truth, I'm like, no, I'm actually not shy. I just, mm-hmm. I have bigger boundaries and crowds than other people. Yeah. Sounds so, like you've yeah. taken that empathy and like made it this true superpower that you use with clients and you have these better like uh, boundaries and protection for that energy. Do you yeah. remember like at any point of your life where it felt like you were like broken or cursed or this empathy was actually something that was like against you? Yeah. I, oh man, so many memories because I had a hard time with my friendships. My friendships would go up and down a lot because mm-hmm. it would go from me being that girl on the phone with them for three hours trying to fix all their problems. And then I became resentful to them because they never asked how I was doing or they never was like, they never flipped the script and allowed me to express so that I would shut them out for a month at a time. And then we would connect again because as an empath, it's super easy for you to connect. That's actually not the problem at all. Right. The problem is it goes too far. So mm-hmm. my friendship suffered and I would just ask myself, am I a shitty friend? Is this are they a shitty person? Like, why can't I just have girlfriends that feel consistent and it's mutual? I, I just felt like something was wrong with me, honestly. Yeah. And then that also kind of translated a little bit into romantic relationships, family, you know, how you show up in one place in your life is how you really show up everywhere. So Mm -hmm. it started to just take over in that sense of like, I didn't feel safe really opening up to anybody because I started to just base my self-worth on how much I could help them. Mm-hmm. And then I forgot that I have my own self-worth to worry about and I have to, just because I'm not helping them doesn't mean I'm not worthy of their friendship. Do you feel like you veer more towards like your masculine energy or your feminine energy? That's so interesting you asked that because I am learning that, um, I'm trying to find that answer. I naturally ebb towards masculine. It's easier for me to show up that way because I feel more secure. Mm -hmm. But when I'm in my most vulnerable, raw state, I'm quite feminine. I'm I'm airy. I'm feathery and have a lot of goddess energy within me. Um, So I really appreciate people that can hold space for me to embrace my feminine because it's not something that I am totally embodying all the time because I am used to showing up masculine to protect myself yeah I me too that's totally where I feel like I masculine is my comfort zone it is where I thrive and as I've become 30 and in my later 20s like finally started to open up to my feminine energy and just like what does that look like how can I honor it and what you just said when people can hold space for you to be in your feminine it's so beautiful and so powerful yeah so i know you are also like a ritual girl how do you protect your energy what do your rituals look like it doesn't have to be every day but what are your some of your favorites um gosh that's so many i love rituals i think without rituals i'd probably go fucking insane so. yeah <laughs> me too it used to be it used to be wake up, give myself a whole hour. So I would do 
my favorites are at least 15 minutes of meditation, pull three cards, embrace my crystals as part of my meditation. I found that the crystals help me meditate um, on a deeper level because it helps me calm myself and it, and then I communicate with them. So it, mm -hmm. it just gives me a different channel of connection. Yeah. Tell us how you, how do you like very specifically, how do you use your crystals? Are you holding them? What does that look like? So the five crystals that I use the most are selenite, kyanite, rose quartz, amethyst, and uh, turquoise. Mm -hmm. So the, I'll place them on the different chakras, mm -hmm. um, the selenite really at my, at my crown. I'll put the turquoise over my solar plexus. And I'll kind of just play with them on my body. I usually meditate lying down because I can breathe easier and I don't have to worry about like, am I breathing right? Because it feels weird when I'm sitting up. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I usually am laying down and I'll just like lay them on my body wherever it feels right. Sometimes on my hands if I need literally a hand to hold during my meditation. Um, and with the kyanite at the very end, I'll just cut any cords that are energetically attached to me. And then I hold the selenite at my heart mm -hmm. and let that replenish me with good energy, flow, high vibes. Mm -hmm. um, so I work with them like little partners, like they're little stone people. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, each hold like that unique vibration and frequency that is yeah. powerful and like they're crystal because they're a crystalline structure, right? That doesn't, like our bodies are in this constant flux and flow and shifting and transforming, whereas the crystal like maintains its integrity. And I think that's part of why I also use crystals and meditation and healing. And a lot of people in my community want to know how to use crystals more, which is why I wanted you to like paint that picture for us. What does that look like? Yeah. Um, but yeah, any other rituals that you really love that you want to share? Well, one thing about crystals that just came to me, crystals are the ultimate empaths, if you think about yes. it. They, they are like what I strive to be because they know how to hold space. They know how to change vibration. They know how to bend time and bend energy without breaking, really. Mm -hmm. So if you are starting off with crystals, my biggest piece of advice is just listen because there is no book that's going to tell you, like, here's the exact way to use the crystal. Right when you put it in your hand, if you're open, because you obviously have grabbed the crystal, you're obviously open, it's going to tell you what to do. And you're going to be like, I don't know why I'm putting this over my chest right now, but I'm just going to lay down and do that. And just being open to what it has to say and what it has to share. And, and yeah, I think that it's a much more organic process than most people think, which is the key word here, think that it is. Yeah. Um, but my rituals, okay, so... What was the original question? What's my, what's my favorite? How do you protect your energy? What do your rituals look to like? protect my energy. I do the selenite and the kyanite right now have been my favorite. So I cut the cords with my kyanite replenish. Um, I, I do a lot of visualizations. I've realized that's part of my empathic gift. I visualize. So awesome. if you're somebody who is more of a feeler or you hear things. I mean, my biggest suggestion is to tap into what is your most, your biggest superpower. Mm -hmm. So I literally envision a bubble of light expanding out and coming around me. Mm -hmm. And I, I drop into my heart and I let that completely take over. I let myself be saturated in that protection. And then it just goes back to believe it. You know, I can't see the damn bubble, but I know it's there. Yeah. And as long as I believe that I'm protected and I'm declaring that as my center, mm -hmm. then that's going to guide me. That's going to yeah. for sure be my, my focal point for the day. But if I walk around being like, I put that bubble of light around me, I don't really know about it. 
Mm -hmm. I'm going to still be insecure and not be able to just show up and do the damn thing. So it really has, it's a lot of this metaphysical practice, but it's also just believing that you are that powerful. Yep. The power of belief, I think, is so, so important here in emotional and spiritual healing. Uh, And I, it's interesting you said you're like the visual, you visualize stuff. I feel like I'm more like the feeler. And then I have recently become more like the clairaudient where I start to hear. Mm -hmm. Uh, But it takes so much practice, right? And trusting yourself and not thinking you're crazy and just letting those being open to receive those messages in your life so you have been through some pretty major life changes in the last 12 months or so can you share with us can you tell us about it and what do you do when things feel like they are falling apart yeah so the last year has been fucking insane (laughs) um i was in a very serious relationship i was engaged and got unengaged this all happened within like three months. I got unengaged. I left my corporate yoga job. I started my own business and began leading international retreats and found myself just completely looking at my life like, whoa, nothing is the same. Everything that I had thought I built for my future was gone. And the thing that was so interesting was it wasn't taken from me. It was all by choice. You know, the unengagement was a very loving, mutual um, decision. It was definitely hard and still to this day is a huge challenge. But, you know, it wasn't like someone was like, okay, I'm going to take all this away from you. And then you figure it out. All of it was choice. And so I was like, if I can make the choice for it to fall apart, I can make the choice for it to stay the fuck together. Mm -hmm. And in that decision, I was able to unravel in a really graceful way not in a way where I needed to go back to old habits or I needed to beat myself up. I was able to just allow myself to fall apart so that something new could break through. Mm -hmm. I I had to believe at the very bottom of my heart that it was all happening for a reason. And there goes the power of belief again. Mm -hmm. I knew it was happening for my soul's expansion because the ego wants to keep us in our pattern. The ego wants so badly to protect us, the poor thing, but it doesn't know like what we're ultimately here for. Our soul does. Mm -hmm. And I I knew at the bottom of my heart, my soul wanted to expand. Mm -hmm. So I moved across the country. I sold all my shit on Instagram, which is such a good idea, by the way, if you need to get rid of stuff, just start an Instagram. Instagram. (laughs) I sold all my clothes and then I sold, um, you know, like my crystals, my main stuff that I couldn't fit. I wanted to just leave with two bags. That really wasn't possible. I ended up leaving a few boxes in Chicago. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I brought my two bags to San Diego and I, I, I landed on my girlfriend's couch. And I was like, I'm starting over. And really the plan was to just pause in San Diego, kind of heal. You know, San Diego is a mecca of healing. There's sunshine everywhere, yoga, every block. Like, I was like, this is a perfect place to be to just kind of let things fall apart for a second, you know? Um, so I, I was in San Diego and then I was going to continue to travel to Guatemala, to Guatemala and some other places. My whole dream was to be like this gypsy and kind of just hop around country to country. Mm-hmm. Well, that didn't happen. So, um, <laughs> I ended up, <laughs> I mean, but I was, you are a gypsy, let's be honest. <laughs> yeah, I'm, not, I'm not hopping from country to country. It's more like yeah. 
Um, but I, I still traveled a bunch. I went to the Midwest and taught in some new places. I went, um, I just was saying yes to everything that came to me. So if I, there was an opportunity to go to a different state, I would go. If there was an opportunity to teach a new workshop, I would do it. As I started to spend more time in San Diego, I could see myself there. And I was like, this is different. I wasn't expecting myself to love this place so much. Mm -hmm. And my ego was very much so challenged because it so badly wanted to look for that hustle. It was like, wanted to look for that city life because I just come from Chicago and it, I could feel it in my bones. It was just so uncomfortable to accept this new change and I resisted it. So I just kept moving. Mm -hmm. um, looking back, I needed to stay still, but that's just, it was a decision that I made. Yeah. Um, so those three months that we'll, we'll look fast forward to August, I was in San Diego, August to December on and off. Um, those months consisted of some really, really dark days where I had like no money to my name. I didn't know where I was going to stay. And I so desperately just wanted my old life back, not because it was fulfilling, but just because it was something familiar and everything I was looking at felt really strange. And then there were some really bright days where like, people who you haven't talked to in months open up their doors to you where you start to go to yoga studios and they know your name in a new state and you're like, holy shit, that feels good. Yeah. And you start to, the, it's interesting because the mind is wired to look for what's wrong, but the soul is wired to look for what's right. And so I just started tapping into my soul and I was like, I'm going to look for every fucking good thing I can because mm -hmm. it's here. I know it's here. I already know I can find what's wrong. That's mm -hmm. like, default human mode mm -hmm. but it's it was a challenge that I took to look for what was right and in those moments I started to put my life back together mm -hmm. um I started to stop I stopped moving I started to stop moving <laughs> I stopped moving as much and started being more still once I began to heal and now life looks a lot different it's still super unfamiliar it's still changing even just last week I wasn't sure where I was gonna live and then another miracle happened but like I just have been getting more and more comfortable with things being unfamiliar mm -hmm. and and understanding that nothing is actually really falling apart it's just changing and change is inevitable and if we can embrace that change we are on to something amazing yeah Oh, I love this because I think that there's like this parallel to chronic illness too, where um, you need even me, like who I've struggled with chronic illness, but also I lost my brother to suicide. And there's these big moments in your life that are just unraveling. They are earth shaking. They seem like they're shattering, right? But really it's just, I feel like it's more of a shake and they shake you awake and they shake you like more they can make you more connected to your intuitive self and your real soul's purpose and kind of give you this reality check of like you were on this path and it felt fine or it felt good, but the universe really has like something even bigger and better in store for you. And I think a lot of women with chronic illness experience that too, where they're like, you know, feeling fine. And then all of a sudden they have this chronic illness or this diagnosis or the symptoms are just like, totally shitty and they're taking over their lives and then they have this thing that feels horrible that then ends up being this like little stepping stone into their ultimate like best most authentic self and I see that happening with you and it's so beautiful um and so I want to ask you 
what are your pillars for your spirituality, your spiritual practice? What, um, what keeps you coming home to yourself, coming back to yourself and trusting yourself throughout these changes and this roller coaster of life? Three things. Um, and I've announced this a little bit, but sisterhood, spirituality, and self-love. Yes. Every single thing that's happened and shit has fallen apart for reals. Sisterhood, self-love, and spirituality. Mm-hmm. And allowing those to be redefined at any moment in my life. But really, to me, self-love is the hands down for chronic illness, for life falling apart, for anything. Self-love is the cure. Yeah. Spirituality is the base and sisterhood is the medicine. Mm. And so that's kind of what I, that's like my elixir right now. Because the first thing I realize is I can't do this by myself, sisterhood. As much as I know I can, because the human psyche and uh, we are so wired to handle tons of suffering. It's actually quite amazing. Mm-hmm. But our capacity to handle joy is quite small. And that kind of like freaks me out. I'm like, I know I can get through this and struggle. That's really familiar. But what if I just had a little bit more fun? What if I had support? So the sisterhood was huge. And Universe delivered me so many soul sisters, you included. Like I just look at my my people and I'm like, there's no way this would work without you. There's no way at all. There's no way. So sisterhood has been an amazing uh, healer for me. Mm-hmm. And self-love is something I've run from my whole life. I think a lot of people intellectually understand self-love, but not many people know how to embody it because we just simply aren't taught that. We aren't taught how to love ourselves in school. Mm-hmm. And I give every mama and father in the world like praise, but our families don't know how to teach us how to love ourselves either because they're just doing what they know and they're doing the best that they can. Mm -hmm. So it's really our duty to understand ourselves beyond just, you know, physically, we have to start to love our whole body, every part of our emotions, every part of our unraveling. Yeah. I think a lot of people think that self-love is like, a salt bath or a piece of chocolate and like I've I am obsessed with salt baths but <laughs> tell me what self-love really means to you and you kind of really that. That, like this embodiment right yeah um I actually hate baths but I love <laughs> do you like water do you go like swimming or no I I do go swimming and I've started to love the ocean. I'm a lake girl. I love the lake. Okay, okay. I have a funny memory. Like when I was younger, my grandma, when she watched us, we would take baths, but like she never filled the bathtub up all the way because she was trying to save water. So the baths were just like cold. I was like, this is so bad. So now I see all this like salt bath, bath bomb. And I'm like, that looks like hell on earth to me. Like, I do not want to sit in a bath. Like I can't. So we need to do a deep ass tub and just like soak you in it. (laughs) That jacuzzi is what I mean. There you go. Um, By the lake. (laughs) By the lake with a glass of red wine. But (laughs) I love self-care. So self-care is beautiful. Like my crystals are self-care. The bath bombs, like all that is so stellar. And I love that it's now being more stylized. It's cool to take care of yourself. Like I'm on board with that for sure. But that's not self-love. Right. Because I, anybody can go take a salt bath. I mean, you can spend the whole day spending money on yourself and still not love yourself. Just Mm -hmm. like you can spend money and still be afraid of it. Like there's always a polarity there. So I think self-love is a messy and perfect 
raw journey back to your soul. Mm -hmm. It's looking yourself in the eye and it's self-acceptance, really. It's self-acceptance. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's so hard to put into words because you feel it. Like right now I'm feeling it right here in the base of my belly. I'm like, mm-hmm. I love this woman who is speaking right now. Mm-hmm. And sometimes when I'm talking, this is going to sound weird. It's like my soul is looking through the windows of my eyes like I hear myself but I am not this physical body I am an essence I am a spirit and I think when you can love that you're onto something truly groundbreaking because then whatever happens in your human experience is going to be fine because it's just a reflection of your essence and if your essence is saturated in sustainable self-love then I mean you have all the support that you need Mm-hmm. It's all within you. Yeah. So this plays really well into, I was going to ask you about this new self-doubt detox that you're launching. Mm-hmm. And I think that when we're, we're playing around with what self-love looks like, sometimes self-doubt starts to sneak in. So what message do you have for all the ladies who are listening, who experience self-doubt and feel free to tell us about your program too. Doubt detox. Yeah. So self-doubt Um, I think it's a chronic epidemic. I think it's literally driving people insane. I've seen my clients that are just paralyzed by this really deep self-doubt where they just literally don't know what to do. Mm -hmm. That feels terrible. Like to walk through the world and just not know, to constantly have that battle in your head of like, is this right? Is this right? I could do this. I could do that. There's this, there's this. Um, So yeah. And Here's the thing, we get taught to doubt ourselves. That's what they teach us. They are conditioned to, to doubt ourselves. And so I was thinking about it. I'm like, I really want to teach women how to love themselves. But if I went out there and I said, I'm going to teach you how to love yourself. If someone told me that, I'd be like, ooh, I don't know. <laughs> I don't really think I'm ready for that. <laughs> but mushy <laughs> for me. I mean, I get it, but no. So then I was like, well, what's the opposite? It's self-doubt. So I'm going to teach women how to conquer self-doubt. And in the process, they're going to fall in love with themselves. Because right. You just don't tell them that. That's the, the bonus. Yeah, I just gave my big secret. But you get a huge bonus. You're going to love the fuck out of yourself. Yes. But, but the doubt detox is just as it sounds. It's detoxing yourself of all of, like, ridding yourself of the toxic doubt that you are digesting every single day. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like quit yo-yo dieting with your self-worth. One minute you're up, the next minute you don't know. One minute you're taking a salt bath, self-care, I love myself. The next minute he doesn't text you back and the whole world is over. Like you have to stop that yo-yo process and start to tap into sustainable self-love, sustainable, Mm -hmm. that is everlasting, that is knee deep, that is to the core so that these situations that are inevitably going to come up in our lives no longer rock us, you know? Mm-hmm. So we're going to start off with just like a regular detox. You're going to cleanse. You're going to have soul cleanses that rid you of negative thoughts, limiting beliefs. You're going to put your phone down because each day I'm just going to send them a 10 minute video and what they're going to, they're going to watch the video, put their phone down and it's an activity that they can do in like 20 minutes that day. Mm-hmm. And then the rest of the work is really out in the world of, 
putting down your phone, putting down Instagram and starting to look around you and start to make decisions and take action from a place of empowerment. Yeah. Um, and I believe that 30 days, 30 days is going to be the perfect amount of time because it's 21 days to break a habit, but then the habit usually comes right back. So you cushion in 10 extra days. There's going to be live Q and A's with me each week. Um, you're going to have a detox accountability partner because I, again, sisterhood, we could do it by ourselves, but it's way more fun to have somebody right there with you. Mm-hmm. And I'm just so excited. The whole goal is to become a super attractor, to just start to like do the damn thing, like make your dreams real. They're, they're already yours. We just have to decide. And we're so stuck in our head that we can't fucking make decisions. And it's... Yeah. The time is now, really. I mean, even you starting this podcast, like I was just so excited for you because I'm like, that's a huge decision. And I know she doesn't have it all figured out, but (laughs) but it's just like, look how beautiful it is and look how amazing it is. So think about like how many choices we make in every given day, every single fucking day, right? Like you make the choice to brush your teeth. You make the choice to whatever you're going to eat. You make the choice to go somewhere or not go somewhere or call someone or not. You're like, there's so many choices we're making every single day. And if you are living in doubt of all those decisions that you are making, like, it, that no does not tired. sound like an aligned life, right? Not at all. And it's, you're so right. And that's part of the doubt detox too. It's not just these big decisions. It's those small ones, like you just said, and making them from a, a like a conscious place. Cause we're usually on autopilot doing a lot of stuff. And I want to start, I want people to start asking themselves why, Yeah. You know, why are you doing that? Mm-hmm. And just check in with yourself. Cause if it's a little bit out of whack, you know, years and years and years of doing that as you know even with like chronic illness it builds up and it starts to manifest as these other big things like anxiety and mm-hmm. panic disorder which i suffered from for years mm-hmm. and still do sometimes um so if we can unlearn some of those doubts and relearn how to cleanse our soul with empowering experiences then everybody's soul like everybody is going to light up and I just that's the mission right now Mm -hmm. so I want to ask you a little bit more about you use the word super attractor and I think that a lot of the women in my community uh, have expressed to me that it's challenging for them to find the people that like get it that they can relate to that are their soul sisters and like feel like that genuine sisterhood like they're like where are these people where do they live where do they hang out or if I have chronic illness maybe I'm not going out into the world too often because I don't feel good so do you have any advice for those people on like how to attract those genuine connections into your life like how to create sisters if it doesn't exist for people already in their lives yes so my biggest piece of advice is be the source of what you want to call in if you don't feel like you're already your own best friend it's going to be super super hard for you to call in other best friends Mm -hmm. so sisterhood actually starts out as a solo project it starts with you looking in your own eye and I'm even holding my own heart right now it's Mm -hmm. holding yourself get yourself a cuddle pillow I don't care what you got to do like get Get gritty with yourself and start to love and hold yourself and become your best friend. Talk to yourself in the kitchen. Make yourself laugh. Put on some music that's going to make you dance. Act like the imaginary best friend's there. But, like, get so comfortable with your own body and your own soul. 
then you begin, then you can begin to attract other souls that are going to align. Because here's the thing, if you're trying to attract friendship into your life, but you feel so yucky and just shitty about yourself, you're just going to attract energy vampires and people who don't really align with you and people who, you know, might make you feel like crap after you hang out with them. Mm -hmm. So I think it's really important to start with yourself and be the source. So then the universe has something to tap into. So you can like think of yourself as a button. Mm -hmm. You push that button, what's going to come out? You want a bunch of beautiful dancing, laughing best friends? Your button's got to be saturated in it. If it's, if you want your uh, friendships to be really grounding and soft and feminine, your button's going to need to be grounding and soft and feminine. So that analogy really helped me put things into perspective. Mm -hmm. I was in the same boat, especially coming to a new city because I have a really hard time. Like we talked about going out in crowds, you know, I love to see live music, but I just, yeah, I'm still working on that. And so it's been hard for me to meet girlfriends. So I just started to hang out with myself. And I honestly, like people will just come up to me and I'm like, oh my God, I don't even know where you came from, but you're so aligned. I know it sounds crazy, but yeah, meeting people who are aligned with you is probably one of the best feelings on earth because there's no better feeling than being understood. Yeah. There's simply not. There's no better feeling than being so understood by somebody. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, they hold that, that sacred container for you to be yourself and mm-hmm. they do understand you and you are seen, right? You are seen and you are right. heard and you are understood and it it really like it gives me all like the the tingles and the butterflies and like the good vibrations because it feels so amazing to for someone to hold that space for you and i i truly believe too that the energy that you put out into the world is what you do attract back and i have definitely attracted like the energy vampires into my life before but mm-hmm. i've also been in a space where i attracted you into my life who's fucking yes. amazing right like we attracted each other into our lives so did that that's though. super powerful um So a lot of the women who I've been talking with recently also have taken that, that kind of like shaking thing, right. That happened in their life. Most of the, that, the circumstances there are illness Mm -hmm. and they're looking at this thing that again, could feel like this horrible thing. And they're starting to transform it into growth and transformation. And then many of them are also interested in taking that thing and then becoming a teacher of it, right? So I want to hear from you, like what made you or what solidified for you that you wanted to be a spiritual teacher? This, is, this was your calling and you were going to take some of the shit that's happened in your life and then take that as pieces of you to become the best, most amazing teacher in your life. So good. Um... My first answer, like the first thing that comes up is that I really feel like being a spiritual teacher chose me. Mm -hmm. This goes back to something called the law of relativity. Mm -hmm. I could be batching that. I'm pretty sure it's the law of relativity. (laughs) Everybody gets a deck of cards and those deck of cards are going to be filled with challenges and jokers, but those jokers are meant to be your teachers and that pain is meant to be your purpose. So we can either take the deck and play with the universe and dance, or we can put the deck down and say, fuck this and be miserable. Mm -hmm. So I decided to pick up the deck. I decided to dance with the challenges. I almost said, Ooh, yeah, let it all fall apart. Oh, the job's gone. Cool. Let's do the damn thing. Like I started to get excited Mm -hmm. about life changing. And when I started to get excited, I was like, this is 
different? What if every woman could do this? Like, what if every woman felt empowered to say yes, even in the midst of darkness? Mm -hmm. And I started to just start to share, you know, I'm a natural sharer. I think especially for many women who are listening, who are empaths, you're already a healer. You're already changing the world just by picking up the phone Mm because people call you to really shift their lives. Um, So I started to do that more and more often. I started to share. I started to see the response in people. And I started to share because it was just so powerful. And you probably felt this too, where it's like, this isn't even me. This isn't even mine. Like my teaching is not about me. It's so much bigger than me. And for anybody who's thinking of stepping into the role of a teacher or a healer, let me tell you, you are absolutely qualified. You have been chosen. It is your time to step up. It is your time to speak and to be heard. And I promise you that you will realize really, really shortly that this is so much bigger than you. And then if you don't get up and speak, there's going to be so many people out there who don't hear it from you and mm-hmm. you, they need to hear it from your perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and there's a second layer to that, the, your perspective is so unique. And I saw that the way that I was handling change was way different than a lot of other women were handling change. So I began to create experiences for them to tap into that side of themselves. It started off with teaching yoga. Um, yoga is to me like the gateway to spirituality. And then you can totally. kind of like there. Um, and a while, for a while I hid behind the yoga. I hid behind the practical stuff. Cause I was like, no one's going to get the woo woo. I hate that word. Like woo woo. It's too spiritual. We're going to mm-hmm. get freaked out. It's like, no, you can't take spirituality out of your spiritual being. Like you're a spiritual being. You don't have to call it that, but I'm sorry. You're made of stardust, babe. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I started to fearlessly move past that and just started speaking how I hear it from the universe. And it's going to sound spiritual because we're in a spiritual world. So um, yeah, you might've noticed like two years ago, I started to come out of the closet a little bit and started to, I call it the spiritual closet. I I just started to say it like it is. And it's still no bullshit. It's still super practical, but I feel like it's just, I have this duty and it's not really even me. It's yeah, my life has fallen apart and yes, some shitty things have happened, but they weren't happening to me. They were happening for me. I call it like, what did I just saw this the other day and I loved it. It was like, this was all just warrior training. Mm -hmm. I was just going through this training and now it's my time to speak out about it. Um, I think everybody has gone through warrior training. You've gone through warrior training and Mm -hmm. you've created this amazing community of women. And I can't wait to see them step up as healers because each of them, I've seen them in your group. They each have something to say and something to contribute. And Mm -hmm. I just want to remind everybody that now is your time. You have full permission. Drop the fear and just, yeah, just start. And Mm -hmm. I think it's what really saying true for me what you just said is that you have something to say and I think so many of us have something to say we just don't know how to express it quite yet because of self-doubt and fear and this low self-confidence and we just have to find that courage to really just be open our throat chakra right and our expression and start to to share our story because sharing your story is not like 
egotistical. It's not like narcissistic or anything. It is so powerful. It not only helps heal you, it also helps heal, heal everyone that reads your story. I think I struggled with that in the beginning because I was writing about myself all the time and I was like, this happened to me, this happened to me, you know? And, but then I, I shifted the script to then this happened for me, this happened for me, this happened for yeah. me and showed people the lesson in it. Um, so it wasn't, you know, doom and gloom. It was more like uplifting and inspiring and it gets easier over time. And now I feel like sharing is just something like you said, like comes really naturally. I love to share. I love to tell my story. I love to inspire other people. And I know you do too. So, um, any other like main messages, inspiration that you want to tell autoimmune tribe today? Well, one, I love your story, Sarah. I mean, your story is just so fucking powerful and amazing. I, I can't say that enough. Um, but you said something really important there, that it was all doom and gloom, and it was always talking about what happened to you. And so my last little nugget is like, there's only so much you can do in the dark. Mm -hmm. At some point, when you pull that story and you bring it into the light, you'll start to realize that you don't have to stay stuck in your pain. You can write out the pain. You know, you don't even have to really talk about the pain. And I think your story has shifted so beautifully because yes, you're sharing these really big, dark moments, but you are full of light while you're doing it. And so I think sometimes people are afraid to share their story because they think that it's going to like lock them into the darkness even more, just like dig deeper into the wound. It actually does the opposite. When we don't tell our stories, we stay in the dark. When you start to speak out, you come into the light, and that is your life's purpose. That is the whole reason why we are here. So my biggest message to the autoimmune tribe is to step out, mm -hmm. to speak out, and come into the light because we all need you. And I just, I'm so in awe of the community that you've created. I think that it's gorgeous, and I am so happy to be a part of it. Yeah. Amen, sister. And thank you so much. So I just want you to tell everyone where they can find you on all of the social medias and in the world and how they can work with you. All the social media handles are I am Tori Washington at I am Tori Washington. Doubt Detox is live on my website, Tori Washington, ToriWashington.com. Uh -huh. I'm mostly on Instagram. I'm slowly starting to get back onto Facebook. So if you have your phone out right now, go to I am Tori Washington. Let's hang out. And then I'm also in the autoimmune tribe sometimes. So you'll yeah. see me poking in there, here and there. Yeah, you guys can tag Tori in the group, Tori Washington. Definitely go check her out. She has a beautiful Instagram and such a powerful message to send. So thank you, girl. Thank you so much for joining me today. Always a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for joining me for today's episode. If you loved this episode and want to support the creation of future episodes, please leave a five-star review below. I'd also love to hear from you on social media. Screenshot this episode and tag me on Instagram or Facebook at Autoimmune Tribe. Thanks again for listening. See you next time.